It's winter, and you can now get almost anything you need for the coldest months of the year delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a ski slope delivered, but you can get dish soap delivered. Sunshine, that's a no. But a bottle of wine, that's a yes. A snow angel, sorry, no. But angel hair pasta, Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol and select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Hi everybody, producer Al here. Time for another TSFP Presents re-release here on the Monday podcast feed. And it's the final episode of TSFP Presents Classic Teams. In this episode, we tried to sum up the absolutely wild ride, which was Rail Betis, uh, towards the end of the 20th century and the early 21st. Uh, This episode was first broadcast in early 2019. I remember for access to our entire TSFP Presents archive and new episodes as well, you can join us as a patron over at patreon.com forward slash TSFP. Hello patrons, welcome to the final instalment in what has been quite a fun series to record. TSFP presents Classic Teams. Quite a fun series, that's, yeah. that's ring, the top line. Ring endorsement. We're going out on a high by talking about a classic team that weren't actually, I mean, amazing. They were they were actually relegated during the period that they we're going to be talking cup, about. They did win the cup and lots of other things happened as well. well. We've had discussions over the course of this series as, you know, how good was this team? Were they really great or whatever? This team, yes, for, for large portions of the time we're going to be covering, weren't great at all. They were really quite bad. But they are kind of emblematic of the madness, the chaos of Spanish football. Yeah, this That's is, this is more a fun it. team than a classic team. And in fairness as well, it's it's kind of embodies a period of Spanish football, exactly. which was a bit kind of bonkers and so, a bit silly at times. So it's Real Betis from 1997 to 2005. It's quite a long period. It's basically the, the Lopera years, isn't it? I think he was president from 96 until 2006. So it's, it's most of his ah, era. Ah, I'm there that, are a lot of Betis fans who will be very unhappy at us calling this the Lopera era because although he was this kind of comedy character, although in some ways he, he embodied Real Betis, obviously he was also fundamentally... A dodgy character. Yeah. When, when the comedy becomes crime. Yeah, yes. exactly. Convicted criminal. Uh, Manuel Ruiz Lopera de Avalos, yes. the 40th president of uh, Real Betis, uh, under whose uh, tenure or stewardship uh, they did enjoy some success, obviously, during this period. Uh, they did win the Copa del Rey. They qualified for the Champions League for the first time ever in their history. They qualified for the UEFA Cup three times, for the Cup Winners' Cup. They finished runners-up in the Copa del Rey as well. So there was some success, uh, which we'll talk about. We'll talk about some of the coaches during this period. There were 11 different coaches, 11 different coaches yep. in this period. Including four in three months at one point, which is quite good going, isn't it? I mean, that, that makes Jesus Hill look, you know, positively well, yes. cautious. Taking his yeah. time. Yeah. But Sydney, tell us a bit about Manuel Ruiz well, Lopera de Avalos. Right, this is a man who... What was his business? <laughs> well, to start with, his business was essentially, I mean, I promise you this isn't made up. Yes. Secondhand TVs. Yes. Sold with rather high interest rates... Collected by rather large men, he would literally walk around keeping 
piles of cash in black bin bags. He would go round Seville picking up stray dogs. His favourite stray dog was, of course, his, his famous husky, Ugo. Um, Ovs. Ovs. And there's, there's a great video. If you, if you look it up on YouTube, I think it's called Flamenco del Wow Wow, which is G-U-A. Uh, which is woof woof in woof, Spanish. Woof woof in Spanish. Yeah. yeah. I lo- I lo- by the way, dogs, you... dogs, dogs go woof woof. Yeah. Go, go woof woof in England and wow wow in Spain. Well, I suppose it's bow wow, isn't it? Yeah. In, in English, it would be the closest equivalent. Um, we don't. And there's, anyway, there's a video of Ugo supposedly singing. Okay. Yeah. Is it... He is committed to the Christ of the Great Power, uh, Manuel Ruiz de Lopera. He named the stadium the Ruiz de Lopera, which, of course, since he's gone, is no longer named after him. He left the club with 84 million euros worth of debt. Not when, least because he spent quite a lot of that on Danielson, which we'll yeah. come to, and um, and on other stuff, and yeah, and he then got kind of hauled before the courts. There's a, there's actually an ongoing criminal case mm. and based on 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 who the shareholder is, and he hasn't completely gone away. And I'm not ruling out that he might win at some stage. No, and that he might effectively force his way back. I mean, Spanish justice being what it is, don't rule anything out. Yes, I mean, he did go, he did go to prison. Yes. He went to prison for yes. it was embezzlement of funds, something ha- like that. Have you ever seen images of his house? His house is like this weird kitsch, Andalusian, sort of tiled, shriney thing. Palace. Yeah, I suppose I mean, I can, I can so. Imagine. I mean, there's probably quite a lot of houses like that in Andalusia. But, but ultra kitsch mm. and just really quite strange he um i used to refer to him when i was writing about him back in the day as the prince of darkness because there was he had this kind of well it was frightening and of course most famously frightening when he turned up at the halloween party now can you imagine this is the one person who turns up a halloween party doesn't need a bloody costume because he already <laughs> just looks like the prince of darkness halloween party at uh, benjamin's house benjamin great lovely mm. boat by the way really lovely boat um Danielson and many other players literally climbing out the window and running away when he turns up. He went, Manuel Ruiz-Torpedo, went to Juan de Ramos' house, picked up Juan de Ramos and drove him to Benjamin's house when he heard about this Halloween party to basically break up this party. There were a lot of people there (laughs) who probably shouldn't have been there. Yes. All sorts must have been going yes, on there. All yes. sorts. Um, so, yeah, you mentioned him. We mentioned some of the coaches that were involved in this era. Obviously, Luis Aragonés, Clemente, Gus Hiddink, uh, Victor Fernández, Juan de Ramos. And it, Well, it starts with, with, with Sera Ferrer, who, of course, is the manager when they when they lose the Copa del Rey final in 97. Yes. And then he comes back later on. That Copa del Rey final, that was the year I lived in Oviedo. Ah. That was actually a really quite an exciting Betis team. You know, they, they, they had Alfonso, who was the kind of really standout player in Fanidi. He scored were, 25 goals in La Liga that season yeah. Alfonso and Alfonso then, Perez by the way named after the uh, the Coliseum Alfonso yes absolutely Perez. he's yes. named after the stadium not yes. the other way around greatest player to come from famously <laughs> famously wore white boots at a time when no one wore white boots apart from obviously John Barnes I think in the, right. in the 96 yeah. Cup final but yeah he scored 25 goals in La Liga that season and then they signed Oli from Oviedo Oli Oli from Oviedo who used to who used to run as if he had a pole stuck up his arse he was very kind of rigid Oli Oli yeah. I'm not Played familiar Spain. with Spain oh, alright yeah. okay Oli um, but yeah so you, you said the uh, Lorenz Serra Ferrer was mm. the, um, the the successful manager in this period obviously um, came back and, and won the Copa del Rey with them in, in 2005 the big footballing name it wasn't Oli. It was no, De- it wasn't Oli. It was no. Denilson. Although he did play for Spain and he was quite good. All right, it was Denilson. Yeah. 
uh, who um, somehow ended up at, at Betis. I mean, it is one of, certainly I think for people of our generation, yeah. I don't know about you, Kitro, but Betis signing to Nielsen yeah. is one of the most iconic kind of earth-shattering transfer stories of that time because he was, whatever he became later on, when they signed him, he was one of the most in-demand players oh, in world football. Of course it was a world record exciting. fee. He says himself to Nielsen that he thought he was going to Barca. Yeah, he says, I went to bed thinking I was going to Barca. I woke up and I was a, a Betis You'd be player. pretty gutted, wouldn't you, <laughs> to be honest? You know, wow. Well, I'm sure he might have had to do a bit of research. Um, you know, they paid for him more than you know, um, Inter had just paid for, for Ronaldo Nathario, for, for, for example. This was one of the biggest talents in world football going to, yeah. to Betis. Yeah, a, a, a winger of endless stepovers. Well, exactly, the kind, of the, the kind of stereotypical image of a tricky Brazilian wide man. And I actually think a very good player. I know, I know obviously he ends up being a, a pretty much an absolute massive failure at, at Betis. But, but in a way, that's because of the, because of the price tag. And there's, there's, a lovely, there's a lovely match report I found for a game for El Pais. And the, the, the headline was, this time Danielson was decisive. <laughs> and the opening line of the piece was something like, Danielson, who's never been able to get away from his marker and never been able to get away from his pay, pay for, sorry, price tag either. And I think that kind of sums it up. But he was, you know, he was excited. But I remember speaking to some people at Betis about this transfer. I had to write a piece about it years ago now. And unfortunately, I couldn't find it before this, but I remember some of the some of it. I remember speaking to people, and Danielson going there as the world's most expensive player, precisely because he was the world's most expensive player. So, in other words, Ruth Lopeta was effectively trying to force the price up because he wanted to be able to say, "We've bought the most expensive player in the world." He he, you know, obviously he had to pay a lot to to push Barcelona out of the bidding for it. But what really excited him wasn't so much the player as saying, "Real Betis, my Real Betis." is spending, what was it, £26 million, I think it was. And uh, giving him a 10-year contract. Yes. And it was also a deal that, at the time it was agreed, in 97, maybe made sense, in that Betis had just finished in the top four, I think, for two years in a mm. in a row. The problem was he didn't arrive until 1998. Yeah. In the meantime, Betis had finished eighth. And so all of a sudden they weren't, you know, sort of necessarily the coming force like they, they could have been when the deal was was agreed. And, of course, then went on in his debut season to finish in, in mid-table. In his 18th game, he took a penalty, desperate to finally score, and had it saved by uh, Molina, I think it was, against Atletico Madrid. Took him till February to get his, his first goal on Valentine's Day. But there were still some, um, there were some early, like you say, some early performances. There's a famous one at the, at the Bernabeu against Real Madrid. In fact, before Betis won at the Bernabeu in 2017, mm. the last time mm. Betis had won at the Bernabeu was this game in yes. October 1998. Finidi George scored the winner, a 1-0 win. Danielson played in that game. And again, was looked like quite a talented. Yeah, because he would play. Have, have moments. I didn't know this, by the way. I, was, I, I discovered this earlier on read, reading a piece on Danielson. He ended up going for a trial at Bolton. And Gary Megson didn't like him. <laughs> wow! <laughs> and obviously finished his career in Vietnam. For Obviously, high fong cement. Mm. Wow! <laughs> Sounds yeah. Yeah. Well, it's one of those players who it makes you wonder if he hadn't gone to Betis mm. if he hadn't gone to, had gone to Barca for example mm. would that have been a better environment because there wouldn't have been all the pressure on him yep. there would have been a, a, a framework Absolutely. in which he could operate it wouldn't have been all about him as the as the star man and it might be a different story whereas he ended up becoming well yeah a bit of a punchline in fact, yeah, he was a punchline. Well, it's that's, interesting, that, you know, I think that's absolutely right. If you he watch um, interviews yeah. with him now, I was watching one on, on, on YouTube, and he actually ended up um, 
tearing up on, on camera, on TV, in tears, crying, sort of apologising to the Betis fans, saying, I'm really sorry. Like, I think for some of the things that he said over the years, there yeah. were some moments when he was a bit critical of the club and the fans, and it was a bit fractious, yeah. that, that relationship. And obviously feels quite regretful about it. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 I suppose it's natural for him to, to kind of be, be full of regret over it all. But he... You know, he did fail, and he did. He did at times seem to be doing. I mean, sorry, things what was he expected to do? I mean, he was going to Betis, you know. Okay, he was. A, it was well, a lot of the, money. Maybe the expectation was this guy. I mean, I remember the other the other player who at the time was the most most expensive player in the world around that sort of time. I think might have overtaken him, or might have been the one before him. I can't remember. Was was Lentini who went to Sampdoria? Oh, well, I mean, and also did. failed yeah, I mean, he, massively. He flop, yeah. But I think I think in both of these cases, maybe what was he supposed to do? I guess. The, the, the expectation or at least the hope would Take have been him to the next level exactly he's going he's gonna to well I mean they did qualify for the Champions League he was yes. still there yeah, yeah. that season he was still there he was still playing and a little he did bit do, he did do things where he was but yeah, know, he had right, moments right. where he was absolutely well, brilliant I think he was also expected to I know he was a winger not a striker but he was expected to score goals yeah. and he never consistently yeah. scored goals and well, again he's talked himself about having a real problem in front of goal where he kept missing chances and they weren't going in mm. uh, I saw the stat, stat here we go here's the stat 186 games Betis because he I mean he played a long time and he was there for 7 years yeah. 13 what? goals uh, with a brief stint back in back in Brazil when Flamenco, they got relegated as well I think it was yeah. at Flamenco and then he came back for they, he wasn't getting paid and he, and he was he was <laughs> yeah well I mean that, that sort of tells you something about the whole kind of craziness of it I remember another one where there was there was a game against Real Madrid and the the generator failed and the floodlights went off after 47 minutes and, and this kind of caused a big stir and Ruth Lopetta's there going and it, literally in the papers there's photographs of him pointing at the generation look this is a generator it's great look here's our man fixing it and just the whole thing and, and the, the local uh, electricity company Endesa I think in Seville came, came, came along and said well we, we would have fixed this generator for him but Ruth Lopetta won't let us in the stadium <laughs> why? I don't know because he's a bit weird and then obviously Madrid this as as happens in Spain this game had to be restarted with a score still at 1-0 and it went on for so long I remember there was a, there was a quote from Michel Salgado saying I'd rather start the game 1-0 down and just get on with it than have to keep listening to bloody Lopera <laughs> <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save 40% site-wide. 40% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Introducing Batiste's wet-activated and touch-activated dry shampoo. With breakthrough technology that absorbs oil and releases bursts of fragrance whenever you sweat or touch your hair for up to 24 hours, it's the ultimate hair care for girls on the go. Try the newest dry shampoo that's activated by you. Batiste, the future of hair care is here. Buy Batiste dry shampoo online or in store at your nearest retailer. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Do you want to go from one flying winger yes. to to another yes because oh, of course at one point sharing the, the wings or on opposite wings for, for Betis yeah. were Danielson and 
everyone's favourite, yeah. Japester, Joaquin, <laughs> who I think made his debut when Betis had just been relegated in, in yes. 2000. So this was their, their season, their promotion season in the Segunda. Well, and then they came back up. And, and obviously what tends to happen in situations like this, a team goes down and they, they, they cost cut. And then that provides, if you like, the, the impetus or the necessity mm. to give, a, give an opportunity to young players. You had a Betis team come back with Capi. Obviously, Alfonso was still there. Capi would play off the, off the front, and Varela and Joaquin. And Varela was actually a right right winger, but because they had Joaquin, they played him at right back. And Varela and Joaquin were this kind of great force of nature. The two of them bombing up and down the right hand side. It didn't quite happen for Varela. In the end, it, it, it sort of it petered out a little bit. I mean, I think he was a good player, but perhaps not the star that he was going to be. But this is why I was saying to you before we started. I said, don't let me forget to read out a match report, right? Now, I remembered this, and I've gone to find the match report, because in September 2002, Real Betis came up, and they were, they, they were flying. They had a really, really good start to the season. They played against Barcelona in Huelva, because the stadium had been closed. They'd been mm. forced to play away from home. In Huelva, they won 3-0 against Barcelona. And I remember writing, they were genuine challenges. And I, here's one for you. Actually wrote, I actually wrote in my match report at the time, Harkin and Danielson were magic on the wing. So Danielson did sometimes do things, and this is kind of Capi, Alfonso, Team Varela. But this is the match report in ass. Now, apologies for the bits of this which were actually a bit unpleasant, but mostly it's incredibly funny. The match report's headline was Betis Orgasm. Okay. Right? Strong start. Yeah. And it starts with, <laughs> starts with Betis enjoyed a night of easy sex at the expense of Barcelona. Okay. Okay. There's a couple of bits which are, yeah, sort of a little bit unpleasant. Basically, says these are people who are capable. Where is it? Talking about the best players. These are people people who are capable of um, seducing. Uh, Jennifer Lopez, Imma del Moral, Vicky Martin Berocal. I don't know who know who these are. I assume they're in- incredibly attractive women. Jennifer so, Lopez is a singer. Yeah, I knew who Jennifer Lopez was. It yeah. was the two Spanish who I didn't actually know. How could they not have been able to completely? F over Mendieta Puyol or Fernando Navarro. Anyway, there's also, a, a, as I say, a rather unfortunate, unpleasant use of the word violation for what they did to Barcelona. But then it gets really, really bizarre. Which means rape. Yes. I mean, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it gets really, really bizarre. Alfonso's penalty broke Barcelona's hymen. Joaquin's Joaquin's goal was the glorious pre-climax. What? And the winning goal was the frenzied climax itself. Wow, I mean, that, this, this is still on the internet. Isn't there. that quite do something? Know, do we know who wrote this? Yes, yeah, yes, yes. I mean, it's probably best we don't say, isn't it? But wow. this was this was in one of the Spanish papers. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's quite bizarre. So they they played well then. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, it's quite bizarre. So Van Gaal Van Gaal only wanted to give the Betis fans the virtual orgasm of Meg Ryan when in in when Harry met Sally, but the Dutchman. Blah blah blah. I mean, it's just you know, it's 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 really quite something. Isn't I mean, it? We, we can't we can't we can't say anything anymore. Can should we? we move on from that to to the climax of this Betis era, <laughs> oh. which was probably well, was certainly winning the Copa del Rey in in two thousand and five, which is arguably their best ever year, or certainly their best year in recent memory, winning the Copa del Rey and, and qualifying for the Champions League. And they hadn't won anything as well since the seventies. It was seventy seven that was their previous yeah. Copa del Rey, um, previous only at that point Copa del Rey 
victory. So this, it was a massive deal. And this was, I, I don't know if it's the very next day, but I think it's either a day or two days after Joaquin got married. Right. And, and him and his wife had the Copa del Rey at the altar. Yeah. Which is obviously only the second most famous photograph from this Copa del Rey involving Joaquin. The other one is Joaquin in the dressing room with the Copa del Rey wearing absolutely nothing. But not just wearing nothing, because I mean, up to a point, that wouldn't be a big deal, but squatting in a, in a, in a really quite um, revealing sort of way. The other famous photo uh, related to this Copa del Rey triumph is the uh, the team photo, the Betis team photo before the game. You know, oh, with Danielson you know, in how it. The players pose yeah. out on the pitch. If you take a look at that photo of the Betis team just before the kickoff in the Copa del Rey final, it's at the Calderon against Osasuna uh, in 2005. You'll notice something's a little bit off if you count the players. There are 12 of them. Yeah. And that's because Danielson insisted on posing with the other 11 in the team photo. He didn't even play in the final. He didn't get off the bench. He was an unused substitute, but he is there in, in the, the team, team photo. photo because he basically knew I guess this is my farewell this is it and I think he, he said afterwards you know I just I wanted I had to be in that photo because I knew that this was <laughs> this was my way of saying goodbye to, to Betis and they of course beat Osasuna 2-1 with a, with a goal I think from Danny um, in extra time Danny was uh, a, a kind of a, a small scurrying little striker kind of a little sort of a, a little Ratoncito, I suppose they call it in Spain a little rat a little a little mouse, mouse. A sort of yeah sort of a, uh, um, but he was also extraordinarily gravitationally challenged he loved a dive oh I he see. was right. just I you mean he was short yeah well he was short as well yeah. he was just an extraordinary diver and okay. he was this kind of player that you must absolutely hate if he plays against you but yeah. the Bears fans really quite liked him hey, it was a good goal to win the game I was on YouTube watching mm. it and uh, it was uh, it was a nice yeah, it was a good play it seemed to disappear quite quickly I must admit he I got injured apparently he right. got very injured uh, and uh, then sort of his career ended in Greece in the lower leagues of Greece, where so many players go slightly to spend be- the twilight slight, of their slightly careers. better than ending up playing for a cement club in, in Vietnam. In I Vietnam, suppose. yes, uh, I guess so. So yeah, they beat Osasuna by two goals to one at the Vicente Calderon. I actually know someone, um, an English guy who's been living in, in Madrid for a long time, and he's like, oh, I don't, I don't really have a team, you know, in, in Spain, you know, yeah, I don't really have a team. But if I did, it is would he be from Betis. This he is, yeah. Okay, good. So if this I did, it would uh, be Betis. And yeah. because of the, the fans that came here that day at the Calderon, he said they took over the city. They were absolutely brilliant. It was amazing. So he's certainly got a soft spot for Betis since that day. And when, when they came to the Copa del Rey final in Madrid in 97, right. and they lost to Barcelona, and actually, by the way, that's probably the beginning of Real Madrid saying Barcelona can't play cup finals at the Bernabeu, because that day, Joan Gaspar, the Barcelona vice president, made them put the Barcelona anthem on five times yes. after the game and was parading around, going, yes. hey, here we are in the Bernabeu. But anyway, for that cup final... 85,000 Betis fans came to Madrid. Obviously, what? only about 30,000 had tickets, but 85,000 Betis fans came to Madrid. Wow, that's madness. It's going some, isn't it? Just to sort of underline, obviously, we say it a lot on the normal podcast, just how big a, a club Real Betis are. Are I mean, they huge? I mean, currently they've got something, is it 50 plus thousand season yeah, ticket man. holders? Just to give you an idea. Uh, in a very, very nice new stadium, which is not called uh, the uh, Ruiz de la Pera anymore. Um, yeah. back, back to being the Benny V. Well, and also, you know, this is a team that, I, I think there's two reasons why Betis seem to be a team that are, that are huge everywhere in Spain. One is because they are, because they have a huge fan base. But the other is because um, because migration patterns in Spain really started with Andalusians moving to the rest of the country. Yes. So it's not just that there are Betis fans, they are everywhere. So there is not a city that Betis go and play in that hasn't got a big population of Andalusians who are Betis fans. And so, so there is a, a, a genuine sense that they're, they're a little bit special and they are all over the place. And also, you know, again, this is slightly cliched, but, but there's that idea of Betis being funny. You know, the idea of Guasa being the thing that descri- d- defines the, 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 the city of Seville. And Guasa is really kind of, what would you call it? 
Bants. Bant, I suppose it's Bants, yeah. Uh, and, and Andalusian they're, Bants. They're seen as the, as the funny ones. And in particular within Seville, Betis fans would probably claim that they're a bit more earthy and a bit more funny than Sevilla are, that Sevilla are perhaps a little more straight-laced. I don't know if that's entirely fair. But Betis, famously, this is a stadium where, where a son used to take his dad to games, even though his dad was dead. He would take his dad's ashes in a milk carton to every single match. Where, where you would see the guy with... I mean, the, that's with morbid. The, that's not bad. Yeah, well, yeah. yes, yeah. You would see the guy <laughs> with, the, with a cardboard box on his head that doubled up as a birdcage. He had a, like a green... Uh, uh, Pedikito, um, Budrigar, yes. not Budrigar, yeah, Budgie, Budrigar, Budgie, yeah. in 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 his in his thing on yeah. his head at games. So, so Betis, yeah. Betis always made this thing of being funny, and in part it was cliched, in part it was folkloric, in part Betis fans well, didn't like been, the fact that we thought they were funny. And well, it's been underlined by Joaquin over the last few years. Absolutely. He's sort of taken that on. And Absolutely, sort of, yeah. and, and you know this whole idea of you know, Viva el Betis manca piedra, mm. you know, long live Betis even when they lose. Yes. And, yeah, they, they're definitely a bit special. Also, why they were a fitting choice to end our first uh, series of, of classic team, teams. All those reasons why we felt they were a, a, a good selection long to end this series. Even when they lose. Even when they lose, yes. And they did and win they, during this spell as well. And they also lost many times <laughs> as well, but, but, we still, but we still did them. So there we go. That was Betis 1997 to 2000 and some of the, uh, the madness that occurred uh, during that period. That's the end of this series. I'm not sure if we're going to do another series of classic teams. We're definitely going to do Maybe another series future, of, who knows? Of, of TSFP Presents. So um, stay tuned. We'll we're coming up with good ideas. We've got we? big plans. We've got big oh, plans. Big dreams. In theory. And we will let year. you know. We will let you know very soon what the next series is going to be about. So thanks for listening. Adios. Cheerio. Bye.